And that was... From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch, the beginning of Memorial Day weekend. And in advance, we wish you and your family and your friends the best of weekends ahead. I'm Jody Heiss, your host uh, for the program on Fridays, and I'm the senior advisor to the president here at the Family Research Council. We're extremely honored to have you on board with us for this exciting edition. Let me share with you some of the directions we'll be going today. All eyes, of course, remain on House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and his negotiating team as they look to find ways to hammer out some sort of agreement with the White House negotiators as it relates to the budget and the debt uh, limit. But while there are still some among the Democrats who are calling on President Biden to invoke the 14th Amendment, the White House itself seems to appear that they understand reality as it relates to that issue. At the end of the day, everyone understands that the only way to move forward here is with a bipartisan, reasonable agreement on the budget that can win support from both sides, from both Democrats and Republicans in the House and in the Senate. So there's no alternative to this. This is the path that we need to take. No other alternatives to it. That's good news to hear. The president has been saying differently up until now. That was, of course, White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre speaking to reporters yesterday. I'll discuss that issue with Congressman Andy Ogles here momentarily. And could watching the Christian Broadcasting Network put viewers on the pathway to becoming a neo-Nazi? Well, according to documents uncovered by the Media Research Center, the Biden administration included the University of Dayton in a $40 million anti-terror initiative after that university claimed such a thing. Well, Media Research Center's Brent Bozell will join me a little bit later to discuss that. And speaking of universities, a professor at the Michigan State University has required her students to pay a membership fee to an organization that supports the abortion industry and other left-wing causes. Unbelievable. Conservative students have sued. I'll be speaking with Tyson Langhofer from Alliance Defending Freedom, who is representing those students in that particular case. And also, there is new data available now on the lives that have been saved since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last summer. Great reason for celebration. Dr. Michael News will be joining me to discuss this, and we'll also take a deeper dive into how we can better understand that data. So we've got a great program lined up for you today. And just a reminder, as you well know by now, our website is TonyPerkins.com, where you can catch this episode or any other episode, uh, episode on our archives. And speaking of episodes, before we jump into the program, if you tuned in yesterday, you'll recall that we talked about HB 648, which is a bill to protect children from transgender surgeries, uh, and that was in, in the state of Louisiana. So as a reminder, for those of you who are watching or listening in the state of Louisiana, it's not too late to call the Louisiana State Senate and request that your Senate member move HB 648 to the floor for a vote by the full Senate. 
We gave you that number yesterday. We want to do it again today. That number for the Louisiana residents is 225-342-2040. Again, that number, 225-342-2040. And we encourage you to jump on board and help out with that. All right, as we move into the Memorial Day weekend, Republican negotiators continue their work on an agreement on the debt ceiling and a budget to try to rein in skyrocketing spending, uh, the priorities, frankly, from the left. And reports are indicating that Democrats in Congress are upset with how the negotiations are seemingly beginning to trend. Well, another big question in all of that is how are the Republicans going to hold up as the pressure mounts. Well, joining me now to discuss this is U.S. Representative Andy Ogles, who is a member of the Financial Services Committee and also the House Freedom Caucus. He represents the 5th Congressional District of Tennessee. Congressman Ogles, welcome to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Well, uh, let's just begin. Give us the latest. What, What are you hearing on the negotiations? Yeah, you know, obviously Kevin McCarthy's done a great job of, of you know, uni- unifying the Republican caucus and really driving home this idea that if you're going to raise the debt ceiling, you're going to have to have uh, budget cuts. And the majority of, the, uh, of Americans support that. The polling indicates it. Uh, you've got the, the Senate Republicans have signed a letter, uh, roughly 45 of them saying, look, we're not going to pass anything uh, unless there's some cuts involved. And and there was a recent data showing that when you look at the messaging war with Republicans, we, we often don't do a good job at that when it comes to the debt ceiling and budget cuts, that we're actually actually winning this war of public opinion. People understand that we have to get our fiscal house in order. So uh, 35 of us sent a letter to Kevin McCarthy uh, just yesterday encouraging him to hold the line and indicating that if, if for some reason that the number that we initially proposed and passed and the, the limit, uh, you know, grows, say to grow uh, bill is, is larger than the price goes up, if you will, meaning that we want more on our side if, if Democrats want to extend it to two years versus a year, uh, let's say, for example. I think that's a great, great strategy. And listen, I likewise, uh, right along with you, applaud uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, as well as the uh, GOP conference right now and the leadership that uh, each of you and the Freedom Caucus have provided in moving all of this forward. Uh, and it appears to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, that it appears, though, that there are some uh, areas that there seems to be agreements on. Uh, is that true? Are you hearing anything yet? When you look at the the bill or the package we put forward, when when you look at the spending levels, when you look at work requirements for welfare, all those really go back to either Clinton or Obama. And so there's really nothing, you know, when you hear the the White House press secretary talking about the Republicans need to be reasonable, we're simply going back to two previous Democratic administrations and using data points from their administration to put forward for the American people. So it is very reasonable. It is very thoughtful. And quite frankly, every member of the Senate should be able to vote for this. And it's the right path for America. We've got to start cutting our budget. You know it. I know it. You know, whether you're a plumber or a lawyer or a doctor or an electrician or somewhere in between, you know that our fiscal house is a mess and we've got to change the direction. I always liken our economy to the Titanic. It is a big ship, and it turns slowly. And if we don't change course, there is a collision ahead. 
that collision is avoidable if we'll just do the right thing. And that's where Biden's going to have to suck it up, do his job, and accept the, the plan that the Republicans have put forward. Absolutely. And, you know, the ship does turn slowly, but the ship also sinks quickly if it doesn't it does. turn. So it's all it's all uh, in, in perspective together. You know, what's interesting to me in all of this is how the White House has said for months and months that they were not going to negotiate. And now they are, which I think deep down many of us knew it was going to have to get to this point because yeah. you are the ones with the leverage right now. But as the White House is making this type of move, there are some Democrats that are uh, really, really upset. I wanted to play this clip for uh, for you and get your response. This is Jamal Bowman and what he told CNN yesterday. I called on the president to invoke the 14th Amendment and mint a coin and do not negotiate with hostage takers. I mean, we don't negotiate with terrorists globally. Why are we going to negotiate with the economic terrorists here that are the Republican Party? Unbelievable. Your response. Well, first off, he needs to read and study the 14th Amendment. I think most uh, constitutional lawyers will say that that is a a big stretch uh, and would be a create an abuse of power and a constitutional crisis. It does not apply. It's not germane. It's not going to be used. But this is what the White House has done, you know, trying to to make it appear that there's some other option that somehow Republicans are being obstructionists. You know, right after we released our plan, they said, oh, seniors, uh, they're going to cut your benefits. Totally not true. They said, oh, veterans, they're going to cut your benefits. Totally not true. In fact, you know, we've our plan increases spending for our veterans. And so now they're saying, oh, look, you know, there's this other path. Republicans are being obstructionists. There's this 14th Amendment out there. Uh, and it's totally false. So the only thing that the Biden administration has done to this point is lie and obfuscate because they don't have a plan. They never planned for the Republicans to unite and do what was right for the American people. We did. We're a more unified caucus today than I think when you look back historically that you've had since maybe since Newt Gingrich came into power. And what that does is, you know, we passed an energy bill. We passed a border bill. We passed a bill that will right the ship, if you will, when it comes to the debt ceiling. Nobody expected us to do that, and we've done it. And kudos to Kevin McCarthy. I was one of the 20. I was one of those that held out for the rules package that allows us to cut the budget, that allows us to investigate the FBI. So I'm kind of one of those quote-unquote hardliners. But what you've seen is that rules package has empowered the Congress to do its job. And because we fought those few days to get a better outcome, we're a stronger, more united caucus than, again, you've seen in recent history. Absolutely. And we're so proud of that. Listen, I want to play one more clip and get your response to as you're talking about how the Democrats and even the president have been so uh, untruthful. Uh, there's there's this line from the president that uh, he continues to reiterate the claim that he has cut the deficit. Look at this clip. I'm going to get a quick reply. Under my administration, we've already cut the deficit by one point seven trillion dollars in our first two years. I've reduced the deficit, I said, $1.7 trillion my first two years without raising a cent and raising taxes above anyone making less than $400,000. That's some of that common core monopoly math. I'm not exactly sure how they make up those numbers. But, I mean, I think the reality is, is this administration knows that uh, they're going to have to come to the table. They're going to have to follow the lead of the Republicans. And, look, they keep talking about this arbitrary date, and it is an arbitrary date of June 1st, if it was such a crisis, why did the Senate Democrats go home? Why did Biden go to Japan? 
Well, because it's not as big of a crisis as it, as they claim it to be, and they're tr they're trying to manufacture some sort of crisis and make the Republicans look bad. But we're unified in our message. We're unified in the outcome that we're trying to achieve. And at the end of the day, Democrats are going to have to follow our lead, and we're going to have to cut in order to raise the debt ceiling. Real quickly, we've get, got uh, just over a minute and a half left. But switching topics, you signed on to a letter. Uh, addressing leadership of, uh, of the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee regarding legislation to defund or withdraw from the World Health Organization. Real quickly, tell us about that. Well, I mean, I think what you've seen during COVID and really pre-COVID is, you know, the World Health Organization has really become weaponized against the United States. It's, it's deeply influenced by China. And I think most people recognize now that China is an existential threat to the United States of America. And so it's time for us to go on offense instead of continually playing defense and to send a message to these organizations, international organizations, if you're going to get in bed with China, the United States of America is not going to play nice with you. And I wish uh, others would catch on to that. You know, we're all watching even now as the World Health Assembly is still going on. Uh, and, you know, I mean, they're, they're just giving themselves uh, this treaty to give unelected bureaucrats right. authority over sovereign nations. It's really a frightful thing to watch. That's right. And I'll never bow down to the WHO. And I think knowing the United States should uh, capitulate to do so either. Well, thank you so much, Congressman Andy Ogles. We appreciate you being with us this evening on Washington Watch. Thank you. All right, friends, uh, is the Biden administration's Department of Homeland Security weaponizing and coming up with a program against Christians, conservatives, and the GOP? Well, a watchdog, uh, watchdog's group has investigated all of this, and they are suggesting, indeed, it appears we're going that direction. We'll talk more about this right after the break, so do not go anywhere. We'll be right back in just a moment. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtzen's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, an honor to be with you this evening. All right, documents uncovered by MRC Free Speech America, as the Media Research Center, uh, they have revealed that the Biden administration has funneled millions of taxpayer dollars to a program meant to fight terrorism, right? Terrorism. But instead, they are now linking Christians and conservatives to neo-Nazis, The Targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention Grant Program, which, by the way, has cost the taxpayers nearly $40 million, uh, it approved a grant to Dayton University after reviewing a proposal, uh, a document that placed uh, CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network, the Heritage Foundation, and other conservative organizations on what they refer to as a pyramid of far-right radicalization. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Brent Bozell. He's the founder and president of the Media Research Center. Brent, welcome to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I kind of laid out a little bit there, but uh, provide us, if you will, a little bit more context as to what you have found out so far. Sure, sure. Um, Ian, during the Obama administration, there was a proposed new program to run out of DHS called the Targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention Grant Program. This was designed to teach people on how to uh, combat domestic terrorism um, and and the steps that they could take, basically. Uh, There were Republicans and conservatives who were very skeptical about this because they feared that one day a Democratic administration would turn it against Republicans and conservatives. when Donald Trump became president, he killed the program. At the end of it, it came back. Now the Biden administration has it, and it is doing, apparently, it is doing precisely what people feared it was going to do. We looked at uh, 80, well, there are 80 grants that have been given out uh, by the Biden administration, totaling over $40 million. We did FOIAs on 31 to find out what 
the grant money had gone for. Now think about this, Jody. Number one, it's taxpayer dollars. And number two, if you're on the up and up, why do you refuse to turn over that documentation? And yet every single one refused to turn over the documentation. Well, we have found ways around it. And we found ways around the University of Dayton uh, and the grant that they got to look into what it was that they were doing. What we found was that the University of Dayton uh, hosted a conference in December of 2021 uh, on, on the topic, basically how to fight, how to fight the, the uh, radical right. And in it, they had a series of spokesmen uh, one who said uh, that uh, equated Ron DeSantis to the Holocaust, one who equated President Donald Trump to Paul Pot, uh, the, the man responsible for the genocide in Cambodia. Then they had this, my favorite was this fellow, Michael Lodenthal. Michael Lodenthal was the person who put together the this, this uh, pyramid that we're talking about. On the first level of radicalization, you had such radical groups as the Heritage Foundation, which is perhaps the most prestigious conservative public policy group in America today. You had Fox News. You had the Christian Broadcasting Network. Let that one sink in. You had the entire Republican National Committee. So right off the bat, the DHS is sanctioning something where on the ground level it's half of America. Go up a level from there. Now you've got more granular. Now you're looking at groups such as the NRA, PragerU, Tea Party Patriots, Turning Point USA, the ACU, Breitbart. All of those go into the second level. The third level, which is more spurious, is the pro Nazi organizations, the radical right. And then the top one is the Nazi organizations. So this pyramid equates, brings up, to, so you can see you start with heritage and you end up with Nazis. So who is this Michael Lodenthal, who is a speaker at this, at this conference? Michael Lodenthal is a member of Antifa. Michael Lodenthal, I'm not, I can't make this stuff up. Michael Lodenthal is also a supporter of the Earth Liberation Front, ELF, which has been deemed by the FBI to be a domestic terrorist organization. And he's the spokesman on, he's wow. one of the speakers on this thing. This man said, he also said at this conference, quote, I, I, he said that what they need to do is to infiltrate social media platforms, quote, to identify targets create dossiers, surveil, interfere, misdirect, and disrupt. This is a fellow who went on to say, and I'm quoting here, a lot of things we are doing are illegal. It involves breaking the law. They wow. took this conference, they wrapped it up, they put it in a bow, they mailed it with their, with their proposal to DHS, and were awarded a grant for $359,000. Unbelievable. You know, that sounds very f similar to the list that the SPLC came out with, or at least the, the, there's a lot of similarities in, in all of this. Uh, well, listen, we've only got a couple of minutes left, Brent. Uh, what, 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 do we, what do we make of all this? Who should be worried about this? Uh, uh, should everyday citizens, I mean, it sounds like Christians are now suspect. It's, oh, it's, a, it's the very thing you just said a minute ago. 
It's them doing this. It's the SPLC uh, with their hate groups. It is President Biden saying the number one domestic problem in America is racism, going after whites. It is uh, Biden calling all of MAGA supporters to being Nazis. This is a scorched earth by the radical Marxist left to shut down any political opposition. This is something, Jody, that's done in communist nations. You never thought it would happen in the United States. It's happening right before our very eyes. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Never would we have dreamed this type of stuff. And I think the, the Biden administration is, is probably trying to run and do a little damage control, distancing itself from all of this. But uh, the fact is they did approve the grants uh, here. Isn't that correct? I mean, they, again, they do again, have a hand they, in the in the cookie jar here. No, oh, this is just one. This is just one. We have another one coming out next week. It's going to be even more radical. Um, this is just one of them. But look, look, Jody, this is taxpayer funds. How in the world, as with everything else, do they dare not turn over the information when it's requested? Absolutely. Now, one of these seconds, grants, grants have been, have they come through? Unbelievable. Brent Bozell, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Always fascinating to speak with you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks so much. Likewise, have a great Memorial Day weekend. All right, friends, coming up, students are suing the Michigan State University after being forced to support left-wing organizations. I'll be talking with their attorney right after the break, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled a Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Again, I'm Jody Heiss, your host on this Friday, and we are honored to have you. 
All right, we've got another very disturbing scenario that I want to unfold for you here. Imagine you're a conservative college student. You're enrolled in a progressive professor's class. Your professor imposes a mandatory $99 membership fee on every student in the class, uh, forcing you to join and support her off-campus organization, an organization that's left-wing. It pushes the abortion industry and other causes for the left. All right, now then, I want you to understand this is not a hypothetical dilemma for Michigan State University students who are the clients of my next guest. Joining me now to discuss this is Tyson Langhofer. He's Alliance Defending Freedom Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Academic Freedom. Tyson, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always good to see you. Thanks, Jody. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, listen, uh, let's go into this. Tell us about your client's story and how this federal lawsuit came about. Yeah, well, I, I represent two students, Nathan Barbieri and Nolan Radomski, who are business students at Michigan State University. And as part of their requirements for their business degree, they have to take a marketing 250 class, which is just a general business communications class. And when they enrolled uh, this past spring, they saw in the syllabus that they had to uh, pay uh, to join this website called the Rebellion Community. Uh, they had to pay an additional $99 in addition to tuition. They thought that was kind of weird because, uh, you know, it's an online learning platform, but Michigan State has its own free online learning platform that all the other professors use, which has all the same functionality and so forth. Uh, so they were, there were some questions initially, uh, but the, the professor said, you know, this is what's required, and so they kind of let it go. But some students started doing some research, and they found a, a post by the professor where she said uh, well, she was encouraging other people to join the rebellion community and said that all proceeds would be donated to Planned Parenthood. Uh, so this wow. obviously concerned my clients because they're pro-life and uh, they're Christians, and they don't want to support left-wing causes that have nothing to do with the class. Um, wow. So, yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, this is crazy. So uh, Amy Weisner, by the way, is the, the professor here in question. And uh, now, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, it, she actually had permission from the dean to compel these students to uh, pay this mandatory fee. Is that correct? Well, it's a little bit unclear. There's a policy which essentially is a conflict of interest policy that the university had recently enacted, and it was designed to essentially um, deal with the situation where a professor who has written a textbook, say, on the curriculum, and then required the, the students to buy the textbook, if the professor received a royalty from that, the policy essentially encouraged the professor to give that to some cause that, that supported students. Uh, that's, not, that's not really what happened here. I mean, that's not at all what happened here. Here, you had a professor who fabricated a requirement to join a, uh, a, a, a group, a political group, that had nothing to do with the class. Uh, but essentially what we're asking as part of the lawsuit, we're asking the, the court to enter an order to prohibit the university from allowing any professor to ever do this in the future, just in case the, the university does, in fact, say that, that, it, that this policy allows this to happen. So what would happen to these students what, if they refuse to pay it? I mean, what were the potential consequences for a student in the class? Uh, in what way would they be punished or what would happen to them? 
Well, the professor made it clear that they couldn't pass the class unless they joined the, 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 the website. They had to pay that. It was clear they had to do that. In fact, all of the discussions were going to take place on that website, and there, there was class readings on the website and things like that. So they couldn't pass the class unless they joined. And so my clients paid the money and joined, but they were obviously really disturbed to find out that, that uh, you know, this professor was going to use those funds to donate to Planned Parenthood. And what's really concerning is there's 600 students in each class of, uh, for her last semester. So that means that uh, she got $120,000 at her disposal to use to support her causes. Uh, and, you know, no professor uh, ever should be able to force students to join political causes, um, you know, uh, as a part of an academic requirement. This is unbelievable. I mean, you talk about this is a whole nother level to uh, pay to play. Uh, this is pay to pass a class. Uh, it's unbelievable. Now, you mentioned Planned Parenthood. Were there other organizations that were supported with all this money that was raised? Well, it's unclear. Uh, what she did say is she had other posts where she said, you know, pay money to the rebellion community to help me to burn down the patriarchy. And she was promoting this a rebellion RV tour where she was going to travel the country and and start little rebellions to burn down the patriarchy, whatever that's supposed to mean. And so uh, it, it, what it appears is that she was also using this money uh, to support her own uh, RV tour because she was also promoting a, a book known as The Rebellion that she was supposed to be putting out uh, as well. And so it, it appears that she's using this for her own political causes to start this uh, rebellion across the country. So uh, do you have any understanding what this rebellion was supposed to look like? Uh, no, not, not anything other than what she kind of said on this, these vague allegations about somehow the patriarchy harming, uh, you know, some unknown people, I guess, in the country. Who, who knows exactly what she was wanting to do? But, you know, it, it doesn't it's what's really concerning is that a professor at a major public university would feel comfortable doing this. You know, neither nobody should ever be compelled to, to uh pay fees to support somebody's private political speech, regardless whether it's liberal or conservative. It doesn't really matter. That's a violation of the First Amendment. Wow. Tyson, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch and for all that you and ADF do. Uh, we are deeply grateful. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Jody. All right, friends, don't go anywhere. More Washington Watch on the other side of this break. We've got some very good news we want to bring your way regarding the Dobbs decision and how it has indeed been saving lives. We'll talk about the sanctity of life right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first, just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Honored to be sitting in on this Friday edition of the program. And again, happy Memorial Day to each of you as it is about to get underway. All right, before we get to our last guest, Target, as you well know, has chosen to stoop to new levels of evil. Uh, their 2023 Pride Collection features tuck-friendly swimwear and pro-LGBTQ clothing for infants and children, and they even partnered with an outspoken transgender Satanist to design some of the products. And since Target has chosen to target our children to promote this sexual and demonic agenda. We're launching a new petition here at FRC, and we're asking people not to shop at Target until they reverse this decision and apologize. So we encourage you to join us with this. If you'd like to sign the petition, simply text the word TARGET to 67742. That's TARGET to 67742, or you can go to frc.org slash TARGET. And we... Thank you for joining us with that. All right. Now, according to a recent report by the uh, Hashtag We Count Project, which is sponsored by uh, the Society of Family Planning, there were roughly 5,000 fewer abortions every month since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last June. That means that over the past year, at least 60,000 babies that the abortion industry wanted to kill They are with us today. Uh, It also means that there are many, many mothers who were spared spared the trauma of going through all of this. And I I know that many, many of you who are listening and watching today played a significant role in working and praying about all of this over the years. 
but there's more to the 60,000 figure than meets the eye. So here to break all of this down and all the numbers is Dr. Michael New. He's associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute and an assistant professor of practice at the Catholic University of America. Uh, Dr. New, welcome back to the program. Always oh, good to have you. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. You bet. All right. Uh, so we know that uh, data is hard to come by, frankly, when it comes to the abortion industry. So tell us the process that was used to compile all these numbers and uh, give us a, an estimate of some 60,000 babies that have been saved. Yeah, sure. The Society of Family Planning is able to uh, get abortion data from the states, and they look at abortion declines in those states that passed protective pro-life laws after Dobbs, and they've looked at abortion increases uh, in some other states, and they've concluded that there are about 5,000 fewer abortions taking place every month after the Dobbs decision, which was in June 2022, and that comes out to about 60,000 lives saved since Dobbs. Well, it's amazing. Well, listen, before we even go any further with this, uh, we, we just want to celebrate. I mean, that's 60,000 is a significant number of lives that have been saved. And we are deeply grateful for uh, not only the Supreme Court decision, but uh, you know, where we are here a year later and seeing the difference that that made. And again, hats off to so many of our viewers and listeners and many across this country who were a part of this. So this decline in abortions in the post-Dobbs, uh, it's, it's uh, obviously you've got a lot of pro-life states that are passing a lot of pro-life bills. Mm -hmm. Obviously that plays a, an additional role uh, to all of this. What, how significant is the combination between the reversal of the, the Dobbs decision and pro-life legislation passing? Sure. I mean, the Dobbs decision made it possible for us to pass laws that actually protect pre-born children. And in 14 states, there are laws in place that provide pretty much comprehensive protection for all pre-born children. Uh, there's four other states that were either a heartbeat act or a heartbeat law will go into effect or has already taken effect that protects the pre-born after six weeks gestation. And data is very clear, both in the U.S. and overseas, that when you put laws in place to protect the pre-born, abortion numbers go down and lives are saved. So are you seeing this uh, expand? I mean, we, we've seen a lot of pro-life states move forward on some really good legislation. Are, are there more states that are uh, jumping on this bandwagon that you're aware of? Sure. Just within the past week, I think we've had positive developments in three states. Uh, Nebraska and North Carolina uh, both passed pro-life laws to protect pre-born children after 12 weeks gestation. Uh, South Carolina, their governor just signed a heartbeat act that would protect pre-born children after six weeks gestation. And we know these incremental laws have an impact. You know, we know that even any incremental law we pass does quite a lot of good. Uh, the Hyde Amendment, uh, which prevents the federal government from using taxpayer dollars to fund elective abortions through the Medicaid program. That has saved over 2.4 million lives since 1976. And there's good research showing that, you know, parental involvement laws, informed consent laws, uh, these laws all save lives as well. Wow. It's, it's tremendous. Well, you know, as we're watching a lot of pro-life legislation move across the country, we're also watching, obviously, in a heightened uh, attack on uh, not only the states, but uh, the, the legislative uh, or organizations, the individual members of those legislatures, uh, the, the pressure is mounting. Wouldn't you say as we are seeing more and more lives saved, we're also seeing uh, this whole issue stay very much alive and the, the pressure is mounting 
uh, both on the federal and state levels across the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of you know good opportunities for pro-lifers to go ahead and pass protective laws in other states. You know, me, me and other pro-lifers think that this is just not a state's issue. We'd like to see the federal government take some action. You know, many of us would like to see Republican presidential candidates agree to support federal legislation to protect pre-born children. You know, some Republican candidates are on board, uh, some are not right now. But again, we view this as you know lots of great opportunities, and we want to try to protect the pre-born at all levels of government, local, state, and federal. So what about these states uh, that abortion is still largely permitted? All right. Are those states also seeing a decline in abortion since the Supreme Court decision? Unfortunately, no. Uh, we've seen abortion numbers go up in a lot of these states that are not protecting preborn children. Uh, pro-life laws do a lot of good, uh, but they're not magical, and they can be circumvented. And sadly, you know, there are women who will cross state lines and obtain abortions in states where the laws are more permissive. So in many states that have not passed pro-life laws, we do see abortion numbers going up. Uh, sadly, we also see a lot of states making bad policy choices. Uh, many liberal states uh, are trying to expand access to abortion. Uh, Recently, the Medicaid programs in Maine and Illinois, uh, they started covering elective abortions. Uh, Massachusetts weakened their pro-life parental vomit law. Illinois, tragically, uh, repealed their pro-life parental vomit law. So we do see some bad things happening in blue and, and liberal states. All right, so you mentioned a little while uh, states like Florida and Nebraska, the Carolinas, some of these others uh, that have recently passed some, some good pro-life legislation uh, what, based on the numbers that you've looked at in other states, what would you anticipate is going to be the result in those type of states as it relates to protecting life and the, uh, the number of babies, perhaps? Have you been able to look into to those type of figures? Well, I know in like South Carolina, uh, data I've seen from their Department of Health indicates that there's over 2,500 abortions take place after six weeks gestation every year. Now, this law won't save all of them. But it will save a lot of them. So I certainly think the recent law that Governor McMaster signed in South Carolina will save thousands of unborn lives. Okay, so talk to us about a state like uh, Colorado, okay, mm -hmm. where, where abortions actually have increased, okay. Uh, some would argue that states such as Colorado are seeing an increase in abortions because uh, out-of-state mothers are coming there to get an abortion. Is that accurate or is it because these type of states are just making abortion more accessible? Um, a lot of the increase in Colorado, I think, is due to women from other states obtaining abortions, you know, in Colorado. Um, you know, again, I've mentioned other states that have, I think, made bad policy choices. You know, Illinois and Maine, you know, their Medicaid programs in recent years have started covering elective abortions. That's been increasing abortion numbers in those states. But in a lot of states like Colorado, I just do think a lot of the increase is due to women from other states obtaining an abortion and also uh, increasing chemical abortions. Uh, that's been pushing numbers up as well. All right, yeah, that's a that's another huge uh, area that this whole battle. In fact, it seems to me, and tell me if if you agree, it seems to me that that's really where the next uh, battle line, if you will, is going to take place as it relates to abortions. This whole avenue of chemical abortions, um, and that in itself, of course, we're watching a, a huge battle. But is that where the the abortion industry really is moving? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's been a big increase in chemical abortions since the FDA approved the chemical abortion pill in 2000. Uh, the most recent data we have indicates that more than half of all abortions are chemical abortions. And the other side is really pushing to make the rules a lot more permissive. Uh, during the pandemic, it was possible to obtain a chemical abortion pill without an in-person medical exam. The Biden administration, I think foolishly and tragically, has extended that policy. And I think that's obviously devastating for unborn children, but very bad public health as well. Uh, if a woman has an ectopic pregnancy and she obtains a chemical abortion pill, uh, that could be fatal. If a woman is further along in gestation, she realizes and obtains a chemical abortion, that could have some very serious negative health consequences. So the other side is really pushing chemical abortions at the expense of unborn children and the health of women. And not only are they pushing it, but they have the political win to their cell as well. This this whole issue of abortion has become such a sacred cow to the left that they will do anything to defend it, protect it, advance it, uh, and really force it upon the American people by making taxpayers pay for it. Uh, so what is it in your estimation that is driving all of this? We watch... As you just described, the science tell us these chemical abortion pills are dangerous. They have not gone through proper study and research through the FDA and so forth, and yet they are being pushed upon the American people as though it's something as basic as a Tylenol or something of that nature. What, what is behind all of this in, in your estimation? Well, several things. The abortion industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, they plow quite a lot of money in the Democratic Party. And Democrats do a good job doing their bidding for the most part. And also, uh, the Democratic Party, you know, has become a lot more secular and, frankly, a lot more liberal on social issues. Uh, it was interesting, you know, Joe Biden's doing things that, you know, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama didn't do. Uh, Barack Obama never came out against the Hyde Amendment. You know, Obama thought, you know, Bush should be legal, uh, but he seemed to agree, at least with his budgets, uh, that federal taxpayer dollars shouldn't pay for elective abortions for the Medicaid program. Every budget that Joe Biden has released has, you know, proposed removing the Hyde Amendment. So not only does Biden feel that President Biden feel that uh, abortion should be legal, again, he wants our taxpayer dollars to pay for it. It's, it's stunning, and seeing where all of this is going, uh, I don't know if you just saw uh, or heard the previous uh, uh, guess that I had. There's a there's a case where even universities are forcing students to pay at least a, in this one particular class pay mandatory to pass the class. You have to pay a fee to abortion uh, the abortion industry to pass the classes. Like this is something that is being so forced upon the American people that is so in itself un-American. Let alone the, the just the the nature of ending. Uh, innocent lives. Do you see, obviously, this battle is going to increase. What do you see is going to uh, ultimately, uh, where are we going with whole, this whole chemical abortion push um, from a legal, I don't know, you may not be able to answer from a legal perspective, perhaps you can, but just your opinion. Where is this whole uh, new avenue of abortions headed? Well, it's exciting. I mean, Alliance Defending Freedom has you know, is pursuing litigation against the chemical abortion pill. They've argued, I would say correctly, that the chemical abortion pill should have never been approved by the FDA in 2000. Uh, the FDA approved it under kind of circumstances that should have only been allowed for, like, life-saving drugs. You know, pregnancy is not, 
you know, in most cases, a life-threatening condition. So the FDA, or I should say Alliance Defending Freedom, has made some very strong legal arguments. Uh, their case was heard by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, we're waiting for a decision on that. But there is a good chance that some good litigation, you know, might protect women and preborn children. Wow. What other trends are you watching out there, Dr. New? What do you, in the, the whole pro-life and the abortion push side of things, one way or the other, what positive and or negative other trends are you witnessing in this post-Dobbs environment? Well, I just think we're going to see lots of polarization. I think the other side is going to try to push chemical abortions as a way to kind of circumvent some of the pro-life laws that are in place. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, a lot of liberal states, sadly, try to make abortion policy more permissive. You know, we have to push back against that. And we have some exciting opportunities in conservative states to pass better and stronger protective pro-life laws. So the way I see it, Dobbs has created lots of opportunities for pro-lifers, but also lots of challenges. Yeah, we do have a lot of challenges, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think we're going to see more and more of a polarized environment uh, with all of this. So let's try to bring this discussion uh, as we as we conclude here in a moment. The the average person listening or watching uh, you right now, what would you say? I mean, there were, and I say this because the the attitude uh, with Dobbs was victory, victory, but we we are seeing the left double down and redouble on their efforts to legalize abortion, to force it upon the American people and to uh, throw uh, people under the bus who disagree with them. What would you say to the average viewer listener right now as to what they can do to continue staying in the game to protect life? Well, you know, Dobbs was a big victory for us, uh, but it's you know not the end. It's not the beginning of the end, but it might well be the end of the beginning. And, you know, we have over 30 states where abortion is still legal. So I would encourage your listeners to be politically active, you know, write your congressman, make sure you vote for pro-life candidates. Uh, and we have to fight this in a multifaceted way. I mean, politics is important, but it's not the only thing we do. I would encourage everyone to support pregnancy help centers. They're in every city uh, doing great work protecting pre-born children and helping mothers in need. And also, you know, things like sidewalk counseling. You know, I help organize the sidewalk counseling ministry outside the D.C. Planned Parenthood. We're there every Saturday morning trying to reach out to women in need, trying to offer some life-affirming alternatives. So we just need to be active. Uh, legislation, service, education, these are all things pro-lifers need to continue doing. Dr. Michael New, always great to have you on the program. Thank you for uh, breaking down these numbers for us and giving us a great perspective on the battle that has taken place and continues on this issue of life. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. All right, friends, thank you so much. Unfortunately, that wraps up this edition of Washington Watch. Hope you have a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. Go to church, keep standing strong for Christ, and we'll see you again next week right here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.